The Permian Basin is an abundant oil and gas producing area. Already one of the world's leading oil producing regions, the area in West Texas and Southeastern New Mexico could nearly double crude oil production by the year 2023. But who are the leaders behind this economic powerhouse? And what is their story? This is Permian Perspective. I'm your host, Krista Escamilla. Hello and welcome. I appreciate you sharing some time with us here at Permian Perspective. I hope that you and your families are doing well during these unprecedented times. Please know that I'm thinking of you and praying that you're staying healthy. I wanted to start off with a little bit of good news. Those of you who are following West Texas Intermediate have seen a lot of volatility recently. And as of recording time, and today is Monday, April 6th, there are signs that Saudi Arabia and Russia are making progress toward an agreement to curb crude output as coronavirus wreaks havoc on the global economy. A meeting of OPEC and others is tentatively scheduled for this Thursday. That's according to Bloomberg reports. They say that Russia and Saudi Arabia want the U.S. to join in. So, of course, we will be following that for you. We also want to let you know that West Texas Intermediate for May declined 3.7% to $27.28 a barrel. Once again, that's as of recording time. So depending on when you listen to this podcast, that number will, of course, be changing. But once again, thanks for being here. I just want to know how you're doing. How is your business faring? I would love to hear from you. You can uh, send me a message on LinkedIn, or you can email me at Krista at rig-id.com. But I just want to know how your business is doing. I was recently asked to host a virtual roundtable discussion with a group of oil and gas industry experts discussing practical ways to help your business thrive during this current economic situation. Now we have a very distinguished panel with guests from New York to Houston to right here in Midland, Texas. So I hope you find this information as valuable as I did and learn from other industry experts on how to weather the storm. Here's our virtual roundtable. to Ondaka's Virtual Roundtable. It is such a pleasure to spend this time with you today. My name is Krista Escamilla, and we have some wonderful guests that are going to share their knowledge today. Our goal is to share some practical ways to help your business survive during this economic stressful time. And we want to start off by reading our bios of our fantastic guests. So we will begin with our first guest, Mr. Chase Yaden. And Chase has been working for his family company, Pipe Company, since 2005. And that's when his father started. It was back in 1981. And he became the vice president in 2012 started his own equipment rental company in 2016 called Vertical Oilfield Services and became president of the family sister company, GCR Rentals in Enrock in 2019. He is also an avid golfer, as I am as well. So Chase, thank you so much for being with us today. Yes, ma'am. Thank you for the invite. We also have Jason Wolf, who is joining us today from Houston. Jason is the Permian Basin Association of Pipeliners, where he is the board chairman. Now, after a career in the Air Force, 
Jason joined a major oil and gas exploration and production company in Houston back in 2012, where he has held roles of increasing complexity and responsibility in project management, operations, facilities, and construction, and reservoir engineering. He also is a founding member of the PBAP back in 2018, the Permian Basin's premier oil and gas association. The association has over 250 members, including 80 corporate sponsors, and raises money as a 501c for safety improvement initiatives, scholarships, community support, and educating area youth on the importance of the industry. Jason Wolf, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. It's a pleasure. I appreciate the invitation, Krista. You're welcome. And we have another guest that is joining us all the way from New York, Jim DeSuttle with Safety Tech. Jim, you have a bio that you're going to introduce yourself. So, so thank you so much for being with us today. I'll let you take it away. <laughs> I'm going to take it away again. My name is Jim DeSoto. Yes, I am in New York. I'm currently the president of the PBAP. I'm one of the founding members. I work very closely with Jason Wolf and PBAP. I'm also a partner in a company called Lone Star Pipeline Contractors based in Texas. That company started in 2014. I do not play a day-to-day operational role, but I am a partner in that company. I am the CEO of Safety Tech, as you mentioned in the intro. Safety Tech is a safety company. We do focus on oil and gas and other construction industries. So I want to thank Krista and Andaka for for having me today, and thank you very much. Well, first, gentlemen, I want to thank you so much. I know you are all in different situations across the country. Jim, I know that you've been under lockdown for several weeks now, and our thoughts and prayers are with you all for what you're going through. And, of course, also we have Jason, who's in Houston, who, what, two weeks now under lockdown? Yeah, closer to three. So we're making do here from home, and they tell us it'll probably be another three weeks, so. I guess we're in it for the long haul. Right, right. Well, thank you so much for sharing this time. And I know Chase and I are both here in Midland, Texas, where we are in a shelter in place. And we are just kind of a little bit behind some of the bigger cities, but we're trying to manage our social distancing and and the leveling off of the virus, just as all of you are. So thank you so much for sharing your time. A little bit about myself really quick. I'm the owner of Rig ID Workwear, where we sell FR and non-FR to the oil and gas industry. We also do embroidery and engraving and now groceries. That's right. We've pivoted a little bit in serving our customers with groceries and also getting some of the PPE to the hospitals here locally and around the state. And I'm also the host of the Permian Perspective podcast on the Oil and Gas Global Network. And so it is a pleasure to be hosting and moderating with all of you today. I want to start off with our first question. And gentlemen, feel free to jump in whenever you want. If you have something to add, just, you know, keep going. This is just going to be a fluid conversation on practical ways to help your business survive. The first one, as we all know, oil and gas is a big, loyal, extended family. They truly are. And everyone here is coping in a different way with the situation. I want to know how you're currently coping with the situation personally and how you're supporting your work family. I'll go first if you guys don't mind. That's a very important question. It's one that we've considered primarily on the Lone Star side. We had 1.400 workers employed at Lone Star. So, you know, a couple of things that we've done is we've kept our core employees working. We are looking, you know, we know the federal grants hopefully will be coming out in the next couple of weeks, which will help assist with some payroll. Around trying to keep things normal, we're trying to keep the employees busy doing work that we would call backburner work, right? So this is stuff that you would typically put on the backburner during the busy times. We want them to have a, a normal sense of activity on a daily basis. So we, we find that that helps. We are 
strictly adhering to the guidelines, the federal guidelines, as far as you know, distancing from COVID-19. But we do have folks that are able to work doing some of the jobs around uh, either around the yard or from home. We're doing a lot of a lot of reporting now and a lot of process documentation. So we are keeping the folks busy each day. We have calls at least twice a week, sometimes on a daily basis to keep folks engaged. It does get lonely when you're working at home on a continual basis. So we try to keep them engaged. We're also trying to help the PVAP with some charitable work, which keeps folks, again, engaged and gives them a you know, sense of, uh, of purpose on a daily basis. So those are some of the things we're trying to do there. Uh, we really want to keep folks. It's important to have a routine in times like this. When you fall out of the routine, it becomes difficult for people sometimes to cope. So we want to keep in a routine. We want to keep communicating to them. I think that is so important. You're right, because you have to have that routine going. The minute you stop having those goals for the day, it's easy to just kind of let the fear take in and to get almost complacent and say, well, we're just not going to do anything. But around our house, at least, well, this is go time. We have to keep going. We have to keep working on ourselves, working on our company, working on our studies. And so I think that is a great point. Chase, what are y'all doing in your companies? Well, first off, we wanted to just keep on implementing a positive work community in our workforce. So we come to work every day just with a positive outlook. That way, our employees do not ever sense our fear or our stress. Upper management kind of knows the stress, but as far as our workers that go out and take care of our customers, they have no stress because we don't bring that stress into the offices. You know, I promised them that I would do everything I could to make sure that they would not be laid off. And I would turn the lights off with them at the end. So we implemented a few things, an assistant program to keep our workers busy. It's called NROC Assistance. For just during the slow time, one of my workers just to stay busy. So we were out there helping senior citizens, getting groceries, taking care of lawn work. But also we always try to have that positive outlook. Even though a business owner stresses at night that you have 20 employees that rely, their families rely on you. It keeps you up at night, but you got to wake up the next morning and you have to just give it 110% to outthink situations. And so that's how how we're coping with it. I love what you're doing. And I love the way that our community comes together. And I I know because you and I are in the same community, you see it on a daily basis, the way that the Permian Basin just jumps into action when someone needs something, delivery. I love that you're delivering to the elderly and and just giving that support. And then it also gives that sense of, you know, you feel good when you give back. We all know that. And I love that you're sharing that with your employees and encouraging them to do that while other business is slow at this time. So that is great, Chase. Fantastic. The problem we have, Krista, is, you know, we are from here. This is our home. I was born and raised right here. My family was born and raised. Parents were born and raised. And so we don't have a place to go. We can't just pack up and go back home. This is our home. This is our community. This is the place that we raise our kids. So we don't have a choice but to just keep fighting. And so in the downturns, it's pretty amazing to see all of the locals come together and work together to survive. And that's what it takes. That's what it takes is everybody working together as a community to take care of not only the elderly, but the people that are losing their jobs and just do what we can. You know, we live in, I call the, the best place in the world. And I know a lot of people will fight me against that, but I truly believe, I mean, this is the land of opportunity. 
And so we've been very blessed throughout the years and we have to pay those blessings back when times get tough. I couldn't agree more. I came here 21 years ago and absolutely love it and and, and not planning on leaving. So it really is. It is a wonderful place to be. I was a little upset, but I tell her that we will be dying here. (laughs) (laughs) Jason, thank you so much, Chase. Jason, I know that you have been working from the house now going on three weeks. What are you doing with your company to keep everyone engaged and really just support your work family? Yeah, the company's been really good. We've got an internal social media site called Yammer, and they've created a couple of work groups. You know, the work from home group, talent development and inclusion team is putting out articles uh, a couple times a week. We've been sending out some things which are really, really positive, you know, some things leaders can do to help folks through these, you know, different times. And those include, you know, communicate, keep folks in a routine, which with both Jim and Chase have mentioned, make sure you show empathy. Tell some personal stories, you know, about the challenges that you have and invite that from them too, so you can learn from each other and really just get through these challenging times together. Make folks realize that, you know, they are part of a bigger team, there's support out there, and you're going to help them get through it. It's actually been pretty positive. We've seen some good things come out of it, but I'll echo Chase, you know, the Permian Basin is a tremendous place to live and work, and when times are tough, creating foundations like you did, Chase, with Enrock Foundation and some of the charitable work that we're doing as an association, which we may get into a little bit later, I think can go a long way in showing folks that they should stay. We can get through this. And when we get on the flip side, we'll retain those quality employees and those work processes that we have had, you know, prior to the downturn. I love what you mentioned about taking care of your employees, because I think That's one of the things that I don't think employers really realized at first when all this was happening was the emotional toll it was going to take on their team members. And so is there anything that you are all doing or that you've noticed that you've changed a little bit in your ways and in talking to your team members about, I know Chase, you said being positive because I'm like, I'm a quote girl, loved, you know, anything positive that we can pour into people, I think is fantastic. Is there anything you're doing in particular that will help with dealing with the emotional side effects of what's going on, not just with the virus, but with the impact in the oil and gas industry? As far as my employees go, you know, I tell them, and I always try to get on a personal level with them. And I tell them, you know, if times are tough, you know, when we have to cut back to 40 hours, and if you're relying on your overtime, you come and talk to me personally. You call me anytime, any night, you put me in the office and I will do anything I can to help you guys out with it. If you need a mortgage payment or a rent payment or a car payment, I will take care of you because y'all take care of me with my customers. When they go out to the field, they are my face. They represent me. And to build a good organization in a company, you have to have good employees. And so when times are tough, you have to take care of those employees. Absolutely. So one of the things we're doing now on the, on the Lone Star side, Chris, is, you know, obviously, and Chase mentioned it, and Jason certainly mentioned keeping a positive attitude, keeping upbeat. But, you know, we also remind our employees that times like this are times of opportunity. The industry is going to change. The country is going to fundamentally change after this. And regardless of what anyone says, just the way we educate our children, could, it's going to have a, a very big impact on that. So right. there are in times like this, there are opportunities. They are not easy times, but... If you're positive, if you're looking for those positive things, you can find them. 
And you may come out the other end different than you went in as a company, but you can certainly survive it and look you know, to battle another day. So that's what we try to impart upon our employees on a daily basis is, you know, small wins, right? We always used to talk about the home runs. Now we're talking about base hits, <laughs> right? So let's, let's get some base hits here. And that's, and that's what we're looking at. So, yeah. And speaking of that, I know Jason's going to touch a little bit more on this, but when you do work from home, like for me, it's important to have that routine going, not just mentally, but physically as well with working out to go in, get those, you know, three to five miles in the morning run before you get started on your day or go to, you know, your home gym or, I mean, now there's so many different ways that you can work out with an app or online, you know, that is an important part of keeping the emotional, just healthiness to be, you know, emotionally healthy with your physical. So I know you're going to touch a little more on that, Jason. Yeah. I think people are realizing more and more that physical well-being is directly tied to emotional well-being. And, you know, if you're used to a certain level of activity and now these travel restrictions and these you know, quarantine and basically shelter in place operations in many cities are taking folks out of that routine and they're just not getting out and about in the exercises they normally do. And they're taking those breaks morning, noon, night, getting that in helps with the emotional side, helps with your sense of self-worth and really I think helps you get through a day where you might be looking at, you know, just these four walls, you know, for 10 or 11 hours Whereas before, you know, you were out and about meeting with 10 different customers face-to-face and going out to drill sites. So I do think that's really important. What are two to three things that maybe companies should consider doing immediately that maybe aren't obvious that can really help move the needle financially? So one of the things that we're doing, and we actually started this in fall of last year, not knowing any of this was coming, but... We started looking at vertical integration within companies. So in pipelining would be including engineering and, and possibly some companies that manufacture compressors, for instance, things of that nature. So we looked at vertically integrating our company. I think that type of thinking now is going to be absolutely necessary because coming out of this, again, it's going to be hard to survive it. If you can get out of it and you can vertically integrate with other companies or collaborate with other companies, what that will allow you to do is potentially do that work on the flip side of this more inexpensively or cheaper than you would have prior to. So if you have three companies coming in to, to work on, on a job, now you're, you're integrated with those companies, you're coming in as one company and you're doing the work. So I see that as something that the industry will probably have to head towards is, is that vertical integration in a lot of places. In addition to that, you know, consolidation of companies, I think is going to also be something you're going to see a lot of. There's going to be a lot of consolidation at that to produce a level all the way down through the construction, you know, pipeline construction. So. I'll add to that. I kind of, you know, honestly 100% agree with what you're saying. Well, y'all, you know, look for opportunities where you can partner up with maybe some competition. You know, this is a time to work together. And instead of going out and fighting, you know, head to head, call your competition up one day that, you know, and take them to lunch and say, look, let's work together. You have some MSAs that I don't have. I have MSAs that you don't have right now. Companies aren't going to get it. They won't be giving out new MSAs. So let's just find a way to work together. And I think the more that that you can put together can go a long way, not only from here, but in the future, whenever it does get better. That's right. We are all in this together, right? I mean, when you really think about it, we are, no matter what industry you're in, we are all affected by this. And if there's any way we can help each other out at the end of the day, that's what it's about. We have to be here for each other. Yeah, just add that, you know, this is an opportunity for folks to take a close look at their processes, a close look at their operations, and find ways 
is to achieve operations efficiencies. We've been on a push for at least the last several years since the last downturn to save operating expenses. And this just you know brings it home. We also take a close look across our business at those wells that are economic to produce and those that aren't. And maybe now's the time to shut in those that aren't economic to produce. But going forward, it makes you pay more attention to those things because you recognize that you know, $45 or $50 oil might be a luxury and you can't hope to get that for every barrel that you produce from that well for the next 20 years. So it's just really important to look at your operating costs, what's contributing to that, where you can find efficiencies like Jim and Chase talked about and just try to do things smarter. Let's talk a little bit about... Just add on that, Jason, when times are good, you kind of, there's a lot of expenses that you overlook that you don't catch just in your P&Ls. So what we did is we broke down every single expense in Excel spreadsheet. We broke down our income coming in and we broke it down to it daily. So we know exactly every day when we wake up, here's what we have to cover. We have to make this much money to cover our expense. And when you see it broken down into the day, that kind of lets you know, okay, well, we can shape this, we can cut this, and we can spend more time focusing on this product For service companies that have a lot of different revenue streams, different products like we do, it kind of shows you where you need to put your focus on the products and less focus on stuff that is in your yard that hasn't been moved in three or four months. Right. Gentlemen, do you have any tips or insights maybe that you know about or maybe you're planning to do this and use these programs, either government programs, technology, any resources that could benefit some of us others that are really looking for another avenue to help. I'll start towards April 3rd and then we will be open for the small BSBA payroll loans. The details of which are out on the SPA site, spa.gov. I would recommend that anyone that is not looking to put in an application, do so if you're a small company and reach out to your local bank Local banks have all the information that you're going to need. So whoever you're doing your banking with, you should be on really on a call with your banker speaking to them about this. That will be the single most important thing you can do for a small business. It will keep your, your payroll afloat for at least two and a half months. And that may help us, again, get out of the other side, at least get behind COVID behind us, and then we can deal with the downturn in oil as a secondary Deal. Chase, do you have to add anything to that? The small business owners that are applying for the payroll protection plan, the money that was being paid out for your payroll, if you separate the accounts, you know, open up your own savings account that your fund comes in and your payroll and your lease comes out of that account. The money that you're saving through your business, instead of paying payroll and, and lease for those two and a half months, use that money very wisely. You know, if you can figure out a way to pivot your equipment or your workforce into a different area, that's what I recommend. That's what we will be doing. That's really good advice because if you think about it, and you all know this, a two-month help or financial help for two months can go like that when you start helping everyone and dispersing those funds. So you really do need to cut costs. Is there anywhere that you are cutting costs that maybe you wouldn't have done, say, a year or two ago? We're looking literally at our credit card statements. There's a lot of reoccurring charges on your credit card statements each month that a lot of people aren't aware of. So we go through and we actually have our CFO go through and actually look at every single one of our reoccurring charges and question whether or not we need the services and make sure that we're not paying for you know, services that we, we don't need at this point. So that's one of the areas that we focused on. Other areas, we've worked with our 
leasing companies on equipment. We've worked with them to help us out with some of the lease payments that are due on equipment and our landlord. So if you have a building and you have a landlord, you know, see if you can't work with them on some of the rent, you know, possibly giving a, you know, smaller payment each month until we get through this. And I'll add to that, I've been doing the same thing and the landlords aren't willing to work on their rent. Ask them, you know, a lot of our small businesses, you get your insurance, you get your bank notes, everything is really doing the first. So I've reached out to everybody that I could and said, hey, do you mind if, like the landlord, can we break it up in four weeks? I'll see, you know, just take the payment, divide it by four. That just helps with cash flow. So if, if you can do that across the board, so on the first, you're not getting hit real big with money taken out of your account. If you can break it up either bi-weekly. So I, I talked to my banker. We moved that bank loan to the 1st and 15th, working on the insurance. I already got the landlord 1st and 15th. So that should help on cash flow for the first of the months when it's really, when it, everything kind of really hits hard. We're partnered with many service providers throughout the uh, oil and gas community. And as our senior vice president of Permian Resources Operations told us today, they're, they're a member of our family too. And we're working with them very closely to make sure that we're able to continue to support them in this time. And sometimes that means reaching new agreements or different price points than we had before. Other times it just means a reduced level of activity. But in the end, trying to keep those relationships alive is really important for us. Earlier, I mentioned OPEX savings that, that we're doing, but another area for businesses that's really is a big ticket item in their budgeting is SG&A. And finding ways to keep your employees on the payroll is something that I'm really glad that the federal government has done for small businesses. For large businesses, including mine, many are turning to salary reductions, which hopefully are going to be temporary. And they're doing that as a way to continue to support their employees and not do layoffs and furloughs and that sort of thing, which are you know impactful to our community at large and also don't necessarily allow you to retain your talent. So although it's sometimes a large pill to swallow, it's probably the better of some other options that are out there. And I'm hopeful that some other companies are doing that too. Well, gentlemen, this has been such fantastic information. I really loved learning what you're doing to make this time, this difficult time for all of us work for your team, for yourselves, for each individual family member, because really it affects everybody differently. And I have one final question before we leave. The oil and gas industry, as you all know, traditionally is a roller coaster ride. We know it's up, we know it's down, but what can be done on the national or state level to increase stability and how can companies help in this effort? Whoever wants to take it away. I've had some pretty strong opinions on this. You're right. We've gone through cycles starting in 2014 in the Permian. We've gone through, you know, ebbs and flows. The problem that I fundamentally, I think we have here as a nation is that we are heavily reliant upon some other actors outside our country, some other, other countries that don't have our best interests in mind. And they can absolutely affect the business in West Texas and elsewhere, Colorado, Wyoming. So we need to make a decision as a country. If everyone claims that energy is part of national security, that it is an underpinning of our economy, then what are we going to do to stop this from happening? Effectively, OPEC Plus is a monopoly. That's what they're absolutely trying to achieve and absolutely trying to drive us out of business. When a company does that in the United States, it's called a monopoly and the federal government gets involved and stops it. And John D. Rockefeller is a perfect example of that. So are we going to allow these other countries to continue to dictate what happens in our country from an energy standpoint? Or are we going to stand up at a state and federal level and say enough is enough and figure out a better way of doing it? So I don't have the answer, 
but there's a lot of smart people out there that need to start having this conversation with our elected officials, both at the state and federal level. And that conversation needs to happen yesterday, not tomorrow, not two weeks from now, not 10 weeks from now. We need to start having this conversation immediately. And with that, I want to say, and I know Jason's going to answer that, we have some things that we're trying to do just out of the PBAP. So Jason, I'm going to leave it to you to, to discuss that. So really, I'm encouraged by some of the steps that have been taken by elected officials at the state and the national government level. You know, tomorrow you may have heard Trump is meeting with seven or eight oil and gas CEOs from across upstream, midstream, and downstream operations. And they're going to talk about things like tariffs on foreign oil and Jones Act relief. And they're probably also going to talk about domestic production limits, which I don't believe has been invoked since the 70s by the Railroad Commission. So I know the Railroad Commission has a date on their calendar for a couple of weeks in the future where they're going to hold a hearing on that and talk about it. So I don't think we need to be upset about that. I think we need to recognize that drastic times could call for drastic measures. And there's probably a way to lay those three things in that I just mentioned that allow us to combat some of these practices by our international competitors so that we can smooth out the peaks and valleys and have a more stable industry. And that's really what I think will benefit us all is to not have these periods of $20 oil with you know, momentary rise to 60 or $70 a barrel. It's better for everybody if we can keep a more stable approach. So PBAP has taken a very active role. We're a 501c6 organization and we have a weekly dialogue with folks in the Railroad Commission, with representatives and senators across the state. And we feel like we can help advocate for those things which are good for the industry at large. And there's more of that to come. But like Jim said, we hope it's sooner rather than later because these conversations need to start happening. Decisions need made. And we need to be off on better footing in the near term so that we can get people back to work and get this industry healthy again. Absolutely. And a very special thank you to all that you do with the PBAP. It's fantastic what you're doing and still connecting us all together, even now during these times when when we can't meet in person, you're still meeting virtually. I think that's fantastic. So Chase, is there anything you want to add to this? I know that we've talked a little bit about, you know, what you're doing with your companies, but what about on the state or national level? Is there anything that you see that could help other people? I try to just wake up every morning. I don't watch the news. I don't get on the internet. I don't have Facebook. I don't want to cloud my mind with, I stay, when I wake up, I focus directly on all my companies and just, I know it's a, it's a catch 22. You know, I'm not up to date with all that, but I have to come in here and I have to make sure that I can take care of over 20 employees and make sure their family gets food on the table. So that's my main focus for the second I wake up out of bed to the time I go to sleep. Perfect. That's a great segue into my last thing I want to talk about is I think you have to focus on the good. And so I know recently I've just been asking people on social media and wherever I'm at speaking, tell me something good. So Chase, tell me something good. We'll start with you. Every downturn, you know, we always hear it. It's an expensive lesson, especially for all the small businesses. But if we can just all take it with a grain of salt and survive this, figure out ways to think outside the box, figure out ways to survive. And once we do survive, and we will survive, we will survive, especially the local permanent people. We will survive. We have nowhere else to go. So we're going to fight to the end. You have to learn from it. And it's always easy when things are good 
to go out and spend money. Let your salespeople have an unlimited, you know, credit card to go buy whatever they want. And your expenses can get out, out of hand. And when you got money and your cash flow is good, you just overlook that. So you, times like this, you have to create a roadmap. And to get to the end, you have to follow that roadmap. And if you, you know, put limit on your salespeople, put limit on your office managers, they can only buy a certain amount of supplies. And if you do all that, put that in place, you will survive. Take care of your existing customers. Give them the best service that you can ever do. This is the time where service is key and price. If you work with your customers, you know, they need a discount, give them a discount minus 10%. Show them that you love their business and you're thankful for their business. And we will survive. We will get through this as a team. Absolutely. Jim, I want to just say that we are thinking of all of you in New York and praying, and we just are overwhelmed with what we are seeing in the news media. And I know you're living it day to day. So I just wanted to share that with you, that we are definitely praying for all of you there. And we hope that we will start to see the numbers go down very soon. So tell me something good, Jim. Something good. So two things I've noticed. And first, let me thank you for that, for those thoughts and prayers. And it does mean a lot. And I do share that with my friends up here in New York from my extended family in Texas. A couple of things that I've noticed nationwide is I noticed families doing things that they normally wouldn't be doing. I you know I woke up the other day and I was joking with my wife. I said, we have two kids. And so, you know, our families are a lot closer right now. And that's good and bad, but it's mostly good. We do a lot of hiking, a lot of biking, a lot of walks, a lot of talks, a lot of chess, you know, things that we normally would not do. So I find that to be one of the benefits, you know, a, a silver lining right now. The other thing is the faith. I mean, I really believe that people are, are finding their faith again, you know, the park and praise, you know, people are for the first time really battling against not being able to go to the, the place to worship, right? So a lot of folks are doing it online. They're trying to be socially responsible. But the fact of the matter is people are looking for outlets to pray, to come together, to commune, whether it be digitally or whether it be in a parking lot. And that is something that I think is a testament, you know, to our faith here as a nation. Absolutely. <laughs> I would like that. I would like that on that. You know, when times are good, it's always easy to just blow and go. And you have a lot of good things going on in your life. And you lose faith. And you, you think that you're doing everything on your own. And... You give, but you give them the wrong reasons a lot of times for the tax breaks. And this time, you know, it kind of just brings you down to reality and rely on faith, rely on just positive outlook and teach your employees to go out and serve. Teach them, you know, instead of laying them off, if you can, teach them to go out and serve, you know, and just to get, make sure they have the 40 hours, whether it's going in painting somebody's house, mowing the lawn. It doesn't matter. Teach them that we're going to take care of you by not letting you go, but you need to go do something good in return for the community. Absolutely. And Jason, tell me something good. I know there's good things happening in your world. And once again, we're praying for all of you in Houston too. Tell us something good. So I really see uh, local folks stepping up like Chase and Jim have been talking about and creating these organizations to help others that are on the front lines, our healthcare workers, our first responders, those folks that might not even have time to run and get a meal, let alone prepare one, and providing either free or low-cost meals for them, and often cases delivering to their place of business, to the hospital or the clinic where they work, or to the police or fire station, which is tremendous. 
uh, folks working for NROC and others in the community that are coming together, like Chase said, to take care of some of our elders in the community or, or some folks that might have fallen ill from this virus. And they can't run out and get meds. They can't go out and get groceries. They can't go out and get a hot meal. And they're helping take care of them. So we at PBAP have money set aside this year, nearly $30,000 for community assistance, community support. And this week, we're putting a good chunk of that towards these organizations that are helping the Permian Basin. We're excited to see that. We're excited to be a part of the effort and support it. And we're just thankful that we have such a strong community to live and work in and get through this together. Thanks. Absolutely. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you all sharing that with us. I always just love to find the good that is happening out there. And there is so much good that is being done and people helping people and jumping into action. I think people are using technology like we are here today more than ever before. And so I definitely want to thank Ndaka for hosting this today because, look, it brought us all together in one space where we could share ideas. I got a lot of ideas from all of you to implement into my business And hopefully those who are watching have felt the exact same way. So gentlemen, thank you so much for being here today. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Thank you, Krista. And I'd like to thank Andaka also for hosting this. This was a a wonderful idea. And I hope that this and things like this continue. Agreed. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, gentlemen, thank you again. I wish the very best for you, for your families, for your companies, and for all of your team members, because I know that's always on the top of all of our minds as business owners and leaders is we want to make sure that our friends, our team members are taken care of. And so I appreciate each and every one of you for what you're doing for your companies. And we would like to also let everyone know really quick before we go how they can reach out to you and how we can find you on social media if someone wants to carry the conversation even further. We'll go ahead and start with you, Jason. So Jason Wolf, spelled just like the animal, and I'm on LinkedIn. Please reach out to me. I'd be happy to partner up in any of these initiatives we've been talking about here, tell you more about the Permian Basin Association of Pipeliners, and talk about ways that we can get through not only survive this pandemic and this downturn, but also thrive. Thank you. Thank you so much, Jim. Yeah, so uh, it's uh, Jim DeSoto. I am out on LinkedIn as well. If you simply put in Jim, D-E-S-O, I will come up. So feel free to message me. I would love to to hear from folks that have questions or have some responses to some of the things that we spoke about today. Fantastic. Thank you. And Chase? Chase Yadon, Y-A-D-O-N. Please reach out to me and I will help people wherever they can. Since I'm local and there's a lot of people out here that moved down here to be a part of our industry, they need help. Reach out to me because, you know, we are all blessed and we have to pay back our blessings. So please reach out to me and we will do what we can to help you guys out. Fantastic. Thank you so much. And tell your sweet niece I say hello and that she can come take my job moderating any day. She's fantastic. I love following her on social media. So gentlemen, thank you very much for being here today. I want to conclude by, of course, thanking our guests, Chase Yadin, Jason Wolf, Jim DeSotel, and of course, Ondaka. Now, Ondaka is a fantastic platform. If you don't know or you're not familiar with Ondaka, I want to give you a few ways that you can reach out to them because Ondaka's platform They provide tools to manage operations and eliminate the need to be on site, which is right now, none of us can be on site. So this is a fantastic tool. The easy to use web and mobile augmented reality platform also enables your field crew to manage their workload and plan accurately from home, keeping them safe. And with Ondaka's proven technology, they can assist your company 
to work through this pandemic, including the current oil prices. So they have started a virtual visit program, which is fantastic. Ondaka is currently waiving all the onboarding and licensing fees and have negotiated at cost prices, which is fantastic. So for more information, go to ondaka.com. Or you can also email John Joseph at john at ondaka.com or we have Ryan Loxton at, let's see, Ryan, this is Ryan at ondaka.com. We have one more for you, Morgan at ondaka.com. So give them an email, a shout out to them. They're also on social media and find out other ways that you can learn how to use technology during these times. Gentlemen, and thank you again for joining us. I'd like to have a thing, Chris, if you don't mind, on and Darka. He came down to visit with me two or three weeks ago. I love his product. They have a great product. Put him in front, a large oil and tea company out here and very well known. And they love the product as well. They have an advantage system for companies that have definitely satellite companies outside of the basin. So headquarters in Houston, headquarters in Dallas or Austin, what they have put together definitely will help a lot of engineers up there. Fantastic. Thank you for adding that. I appreciate that. And gentlemen, with that said, stay safe, stay healthy. We thank you all for being here. I wish you much success for your businesses during these difficult times. And as we know, it's all going to turn around at some point. We're all in this together. So if there's anything that I can do with Rig ID Workwear or can do to help you out, just let us know. We would love to help you out. And special thanks again to Undock for hosting this. And we hope to do more. And as the conversation changes, we can share more information. But this concludes the practical ways to help your business survive. I hope it has helped. And we wish you all a wonderful day. And remember, I always like to throw my life mottos out there when I close. Dream big, believe in yourself, and never give up. And you make it a great day. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much again for listening today. I hope that you enjoyed that virtual roundtable as much as I did. I know I learned a lot. And just to hear from some of the other leaders on how they're pivoting and turning and helping others in this difficult time is really just outstanding. So I want to thank again all of our guests for joining us for that virtual roundtable. And we hope to do more in the future. I also want to, before we leave, give you a coronavirus in West Texas update. Here are the very latest numbers of confirmed coronavirus cases. In Ector County, there are 26 confirmed cases. Midland County, 26 as well. They have one patient that has died, and that was a couple of weeks ago. And we're thinking and praying for the families affected We also have Andrews County total eight, Crane County total of two confirmed cases, Gaines County one, Reeves County one. In the state of Texas, there are 3,997 positive cases and 58 deaths. So that is the very latest on the coronavirus in West Texas. I just want to add that our first responders, our medical personnel, and everyone who is on the front lines, our grocery store workers are all doing a fantastic job. And we cannot thank them enough for being on the front lines. So thank you so much. Also, it's time for what I like to call Tell Me Something Good. That's right. This week's community MVP, we honor the city of Midland and senior life Midland, Kathleen Kerwin Haney and her amazing staff, catering partners and volunteers provided wholesome food safely through their grab-and-go meal event, serving over 500 meals 
And they also checked in with the local seniors as they did this. This is just one of the many groups of people who are coming together and serving our community beautifully. Way to go, City of Midland and Senior Life Midland. You're doing great things for our community members, and you are so appreciated. If you would like to nominate someone for the community MVP, just shoot me an email at Krista at rig-id.com. Don't spell out the dash. It's just a little dash. Krista at rig-id.com. And that's going to do it for today. A very special thank you to Baker Hughes for sponsoring our podcast. Without Baker Hughes, this would not be possible. And I just want to stay in touch with you, stay connected, know that I'm thinking of you. I am hoping for the best for you and your family. Of course, stay home, stay safe, stay healthy. We wish the very best for you. And I hope to see you in person soon. In the meantime, I love that we can stay connected here in the Permian Perspective podcast. That concludes this episode for this week. I look forward to sharing time with you again next week. Remember, please leave a five-star review when you get a chance. I know you have a little time on your hands right now, so please head over to iTunes. Give us that five-star review. I would really appreciate it. And of course, appreciate all of you who have shared so many kind words over the past year. Can you believe it? It's been a year. We've been doing this for a year, and I've just loved every minute of it. So thank you so much for listening. And just remember my motto is dream big, believe in yourself, and never give up. You make it a great day. Hi, everybody. Alex here with the events on deck. So obviously, we are in uh, unprecedented times right now and have been unable to carry out our last couple of happy hours that we had scheduled for last month. We have chosen to delay them and we'll continue to update you on when exactly we will be able to have those events again. Obviously, we're following along the recommended guidelines of the CDC and the World Health Organization. So we're really looking forward to seeing you and we're hoping that these events are going to happen sooner rather than later. But for now, stay tuned and we will keep you posted on those dates. Also, just want to say thank you to everyone for continuing to listen to Oil & Gas Global Network. We are fortunate to already have been a virtual company before the coronavirus and all of these issues started plaguing various countries. And we just want to continue bringing you guys the best information and to the best of our ability, keep you informed, especially while everyone is at home or at least most more people than ever before are at home. So We just would like to thank you for continuing to tune in and continuing to listen. And we hope that everyone is staying safe and we wish everyone the best. And thanks again. Tune in next week for another episode of Permian Perspective, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at www.oggn.com.